Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you once again for your word. Lord, I thank you, um, especially today, just for the action that it calls us toward, um, yet more so the action of who you are and how you act in this world. And so God, I pray that as, as we look uh, once again at your word, that your spirit would guide and lead us to see you a little bit more fully today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you uh, to take out your announcement sheet here because I want to begin today with a little quiz. All right? Anybody ready for a test on Father's Day here? All right? The quiz is going to be pretty simple. Uh, I have one question for you. This is how it's going to work. And I want to give you four different scenarios. And, And the question that the quiz has is this. Which of these are examples of justice? All right? You're going to determine which one is an example of justice. The first scenario is this. Uh, You find out that your neighbor across the street uh, just has knee surgery. And so um, they're the kind of neighbor that is always uh, working on their lawn and making sure that it looks really good and their bushes are always trimmed perfectly and everything. But because of this knee surgery, it's gone now a couple of weeks and it's overgrown. And you're like, man, that is not like that person. And so as you're outside working on your lawn and, you know, thinking about how their lawn always looked better than than yours, you decide that, you know what, it seems like the right thing to do would be that not only that I mow my lawn, but that I would go over to my neighbor's house because they're not physically able to mow their own lawn right now. Is that an example of justice? Or let me give you a second scenario. Scenario B, imagine uh, that you have somebody that comes to you and says, you know what, Um, we just are starting this youth program inside of our community, and we have a group of teenagers that are going to be meeting, and we think it would be great if you could come and share about your job. But don't just share like the boring details of the things that you do, but share more of, of how you got to the place that you got to. Who are the people that you had to know? What education did you have to receive and get to get to the spot of where you were? Is that be an example of justice? Or scenario C, you have a crazy friend who always gets upset about news stories that they see on CBS Investigative News Channel 2. And and what you uh, hear from your friend is that they saw this story about these horrible conditions that prisoners are in, and it's in your backyard, in your community. And so you and your friend decide to go to the prison to see it with your own eyes. And when you get there, you notice that these prisoners who are convicted of crimes are living in, in, in inhumane conditions. 
in a spot where they are eating and sleeping and, and using the restroom all in this horrible, tight spot. And so you leave that prison broken, saying this cannot be the way that we treat people. So you go home and you reach out to your local politician. You reach out to the people, the warden, the people who are in charge of this and say, we've got to do something different. Is that an example of justice? Or scenario D, you are sitting in a church on the west side of Chicago, and we are five minutes into the sermon, and it seems like this one's going to be a long one today. And you just read your Bible multiple times this week, so hopefully Pastor Dave is going to be very brief with the rest of the message. Is that an example of justice? I mean, which of these are examples of justice here? See, what I think is that justice is this loaded word for our culture today. And what I fear is that we think that justice can only be found in courtrooms, in political policies, or by executive orders. But, but actually, biblical justice is something that should be done every day and in every way. Today, we're going to be continuing our series called Generous Justice. And in this series, we're looking at the prophet Micah, this guy who is called by God to go and speak for God. And what he is doing is he is confronting brokenness that exists inside of God's people and inside of the world of where they are. We talked about last week that Micah, or God's biblical justice that he's speaking through Micah, has two sides to it, that it's retributive that it is confronting the broken systems, but it is also reparative. It is pointing to a future, something that is to come. And so as we discussed last week, we realized that biblical justice in Micah 3 and 4 really point to these three things, that it confronts broken systems, that it's an invitation to all nations to be a part of God's kingdom. The future vision is one that it's bringing every nation into it, but that also in God's biblical justice, this future vision that it will turn weapons of destruction into tools for human flourishing. And so what Micah is doing here is he's giving us this vision for the future that God is speaking that will come into existence, but he's also acknowledging that there are broken systems here today. And the reality is, is that we live in the in-between. So what does that mean for right now? And it's kind of interesting if you're listening to the, the passage that we just read from in Micah chapter 6. We read that, that in this, Micah is asking, does this mean that we bring more burnt offerings, that we have more animal sacrifices, that we should bring rivers of oil or even sacrifice our children? And, and Micah says, no, that is not the response to what does God require of us in the meantime of the future and where we're at? But instead, it says this in Micah 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, 
and to walk humbly with your God. Today, we're going to be focusing on that simple phrase, to do justice. And again, I want to say, biblical justice is retributive. It calls out the wrong according to God's word calls out what's wrong according to what God's word says. But it is also reparative. It calls out and, and, and also says, here is what things are going to be. Confronts broken systems, invites all in, and turns weapons of destruction into tools for human flourishing. And frankly, this is found throughout Scripture. At the very beginning, when God was calling Abraham in Genesis 18:19, it says this: "For I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord." From the very beginning, God says, I'm going to create this family. They're going to keep my way. What's that way look like? Notice, it says, by doing righteousness and justice. In fact, in, in Psalm 146, verse 7, it says this of God. God is one who executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. We see that justice is a part of God's character. It's who he is and the way that he has been working in this world throughout time. But what does that look like in 2021? I mean, how do I know that something is biblically just? Does it have to have a Bible verse attached to it? Does it need to have a cross in the logo? Actually, there's this great quote by a guy named Bruce Walkey a commentator on the book of Micah. He says this. This is a litmus to see if this is living out in God's biblical justice. He says, the righteous, those who are called by God are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked, the enemies of God, are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. Do you see what he's saying here? Biblical justice will move us. Those who are called by God are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community, whereas the wicked are willing to advantage themselves and disadvantage the community in the process. And see, when we understand this, we begin to see that justice is an everyday activity. It's not just something that's pursued in courts or in politics or only in legislation or only on Sunday morning. It includes those things. But justice is also found in our family, in our jobs, in our vocations, in our use of wealth, in our possessions, in our rights of citizenship, in how we seek and use corporate profits, and how we form and conduct friendships. Job said it this way in Job 29, 14, everything I did was honest. Righteousness covered me like a robe and I wore justice like a turban. What Job is saying is that justice is the clothing that we put on. It is what we wear. So back to the quiz. Which of these are examples of justice? Biblical justice. Is it mowing somebody's lawn? Is it 
educating a, a group of youth? Is it calling out prison reform? Or is it enduring a message on Sunday morning? I would argue probably not so much the last one, but definitely these, these three. That biblical justice at its root thinks of the other and gives the other dignity. It repairs and it also calls out. In the book Generous Justice by a a pastor named Tim Keller, he talks about this really beautiful uh, understanding that I want to kind of land on here today, which is these three levels of assistance that we need or three areas of assistance that we need when doing justice. That we need all three of these, but there's three different ways of how we execute justice in this world. I'll give them to you here right now. The first one is this. He says, the first arena or level of assistance that we need in our world is relief. And what, what we mean by relief is relief is direct aid to meet immediate and physical and material and economic needs. We see in scripture that Jesus identifies the good Samaritan as an example of one who loves his neighbor well, who does justice, who provides relief when he needed physical protection, emergency medical treatment, and also paid for a room for him to stay. And so what we understand is that justice comes in forms of relief. It comes in areas where needs need to be met. And for example, when your neighbor is in need of something simple, a task or an activity, it's a a part of what it means for us to wear justice is that we would go out of our way and not just think of ourselves, but think of the other. And this leads into the second area of of what or level of assistance that we need to understand because it's not just relief, it also moves to development. Biblical justice will develop people. It moves from not just fixing a problem, but moves to the person that is being helped. In development, that means that we're giving an individual family or entire community what they need to move beyond dependency on relief into a condition of economic self-sufficiency. This includes education, job education, training, skills, financial counseling, and home ownership. This is more complex and expensive compared to relief, but it is absolutely essential. In fact, early on in the Bible, there was this law that was put into place known as the Torah. And in, in Deuteronomy, there was this instruction that was given that when somebody was leaving a family and going to start their own, it wasn't that we just kicked you out and said, hey, pick you up by your bootstraps and good luck out there. But instead it said in Deuteronomy 15, 13, this, and when you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go away empty handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. What the Bible is saying is that not only do we offer relief for those who are in need, but we elevate the person. We develop the person. We send them off in a healthy way. And when I think about this, I think about our our city here in Chicago. 
Certainly the news would give us all kinds of stories that show the problems that exist inside of the city. But one of the things that's been incredible inside of the city of Chicago is this program known as the One Summer Chicago program that has employed teenagers, at-risk youth, in the city of Chicago for many summers. And what they discovered in their research is just by offering education to youth, they've seen that 43% of violent crimes and arrests have gone down in communities because justice is found not just in relief, but it's also found in development which leads to the third arena as well. Not only do we need relief and development, we also need reform. Reform moving to the larger community. It moves beyond the relief of immediate needs and dependency and seeks to change the social conditions and structures that aggravate or cause dependency. In this arena, it challenges and confronts broken systems that disadvantage some over others. In fact, uh, there's this story that I read about a woman uh, known as Elizabeth Fry. She lived in the 18th century in London, England. And, and she, in her, in her local hometown, there was a, a woman's prison. And one day she went to go and visit this woman's prison and she literally, when she went there, she discovered that the cells that, that these prisoners were in were so inhumane that they were literally eating and sleeping and, and using the restroom all in these overcrowded spaces. Because the philosophy of prisoning during that time is that this is like an adult timeout, that we are punishing you in this moment. But what Elizabeth Fry, out of conviction of her faith, believed is that this could be a time that is not just punishment, but a time of reform. So what she ended up doing is she went to parliament and all of these local officials and brought forward the prison reform in 1823, calling out the unjust, inhumane ways that people were being treated in these spaces. And so not only did they get more space that they didn't eat in the same place where they used the restroom, but they also got education. She brought in biblical training and Bible study and, and what moved in England during this time in the 18th century is that they moved from prisoning to be not just a place to be punished, but also an opportunity to reform someone. So that when they leave this place, they have new skills, new jobs, new opportunity. See, biblical justice moves in relief, development, and reform. Job said it this way, I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. What Job is saying here is that calling out the brokenness that exists will come with some struggle. And it will come with an understanding of that we need to fight for the other. So again, as Bruce Walkie said, to do justice means that the righteous, those who are called by God, are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked, enemies of God, are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. And honestly, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he is one that works in all three of these arenas. He is one who offers relief 
He heals the sick. He, he walks with those who are broken. And not just relief in fixing a problem, but, but he also elevates people and instructs and teaches. And the people that he goes and speaks to are those who would be outcasts in their society. He develops people, but he also calls out and reforms. There's this story that's actually found in every gospel. It's known as the story of where Jesus shows up to the temple in Jerusalem and he overturns the tables. Do you know this story? And in this story, what happens is that Jesus has just entered into Jerusalem, the holy city during Passover. And what that means is that people would be traveling from all nations all over the place to offer sacrifices to Yahweh. Because as you remember in Micah's words there, in Micah 6, they just believe that this is how we please God. But Jesus shows up in that moment and and he sees some injustice that is happening. What's going on is that there was a group of people in Jerusalem who thought, man, this is a great time to take advantage of the people. I'm going to make a quick buck here. Because what they were doing is they were selling pigeons and rams and all the animals that you would use for these sacrifices, and they were targeting the people that would travel long distances because they didn't want to travel with a pigeon or a ram, right? But not only that, they would upcharge it. They would upsell it. And Jesus, even in Matthew 21, points out that there were loan sharks. There were people who were taking advantage of the system. And so what Jesus is so upset by, what breaks his heart is that he shows up in this place and he sees that this holy place about God and the goodness and the mercy and the grace and how he calls his people to live in righteousness and justice, he's seen people take advantage of that. And so he confronts it. And as we hear that story, I often... I hope you see this as well, is that unfortunately as we look in the mirror, we as human beings are people who tend to just think about ourselves instead of the other. We are more like those ones who are selling and taking advantage of the people that are coming through instead of calling out the wrong. And see, Jesus in this moment, not only is calling out the wrong, he's also going to repair it. And when he is in Jerusalem, just a couple days later, he actually is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says these words to God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Think about that prayer for a second. Not my will, but your will be done. And see, what we see in Jesus is that he is one who is generous in his justice. He doesn't just call out the brokenness, he fixes it. He does something that brings repair into this world. So doing biblical justice is not just the righting of wrongs, but it requires generosity. Doing biblical justice is not just calling out the wrong, but it requires generosity and thinking of the other in the process. But I know, right now, you might be thinking about all kinds of scenarios and what ifs and, well, Pastor Dave, what do you think about this? 
mean, what about the guy that's at the stoplight and he's holding the sign? And you're just trying to like, oh, Lord, please, would it go green instead of red so I can just zoom on by? What am I supposed to do in that scenario? Am I supposed to hold up all the traffic? Or, or, or should I feel guilty because of the community that I live in and, and the safety that I have? Does this mean that I have to move into a spot where, where I put myself in danger and in harm? Or, or does this mean that now I need to go to some third world country and like stay there for a couple months and, and listen to the people, but then, then do something that affects justice in a real way? I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that we're probably thinking about right now. And I want to be willing to acknowledge this. Justice is complex. It is complex, especially in a hyper-politicized, short-tempered, quick-fix world that thinks real justice can only happen in politics or in simple solutions. Today, I want you to see that generous justice means that we will have generosity in relief and how we work against the problems of this world. Generosity in development of not just looking at problems, but seeing people. And generosity in reform, in the systems that exist in our world as well. Because my prayer is that we as a church that seeks to look, live, and love more like Jesus, that we would be reminded that we have a God who disadvantaged himself to bring advantage to us. And so as a result, because of the goodness of who our God is, I just want you to contemplate and think on this question for this week. Maybe this is something on that sheet of paper that you can address and, and, and think about and contemplate this week. How can you be generous in your justice in these three arenas, in these three areas, in relief, in development, and reform. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God who, who thinks of the other, who disadvantages yourself for us. And Lord, um, what, what an incredible Savior you are. Yet, God, I also am reminded here today of how, how you have a future vision, one that, that will put everything right. But God, you also call us in the meantime to be generous in our justice, to do justice. And God, I just pray that our eyes would be opened to to the ways in which we can look, live, and love more like you, not to earn your love. Lord, we know that we contribute to injustice. And so, God, I just, I pray that out of the grace and mercy that you bring through your death and resurrection, that it would shape and mold us to do justice, to love righteousness in this world. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.